Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. I'm Amy Rojic, Director of BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting, and I'm so happy to have the chance to sit down with Cindy Fernelli today to discuss the significant transition of senior management as they undergo when they leave the C-suite and step into the boardroom. Cindy is recognized nationally and globally for her governance, legal, regulatory, and business experience. She's an independent director of public company Triple Point Venture Growth, BDC Corp. And previously, she served as the first executive director of the Center for Audit Quality, the first conflicts management executive at Bank of America, and deputy director of the SEC Division of Investment Management. She has broad leadership experience in strategy formulation, corporate governance, and risk management. She further serves as an advisory board member for several nonprofits, including the Lynn Pippinger School of Accountancy at the University of South Florida, the Ira M. Milstein Center for Global Markets and Corporate Ownership, and the John L. Weinberg Center for Corporate Governance at the University of Delaware. She is also a director for the Association of Security and Exchange Commission's alumni. I've had the privilege of working directly with Cindy during her tenure at the CAQ in my role in the CAQ's Advisory Council, where Cindy helped bring together preparers, investors, auditors, regulators, and other stakeholders to continue to advance audit quality and integrity within the capital markets. I'm thrilled to get Cindy's own fresh perspectives on her shift from her senior management roles to her current oversight responsibilities within a public company boardroom. Cindy, welcome to our program today. Great. Thank you, Amy. It's a real honor and a pleasure to join you. And congratulations on BDO in the boardroom. As a new board member, it's great to have resources such as yours. So I'm very pleased to be with you today. Well, thank you very much. And I hope uh, we have a great topic lined up for you today, which is right in your wheelhouse. So look forward to uh, you sharing all of your thoughts with us. So I'm going to I'm going to start us off and ask, what is what has it really been like switching gears and transitioning from an executive role to a boardroom seat? Well, it's a bit odd in the sense that it's both strange and familiar at the same time. And what I mean by that is, as an executive, I had the benefit of a board of directors helping me develop strategy. And then I had an incredible team who helped me execute on that strategy. As a board member, it's of course reversed and I'm helping management to set that strategy and they're the ones who are responsible for executing that strategy. So it's been a bit of a transition to uh, adhere to that old adage that I'm sure many of us have heard, which is faces in and fingers out. So it takes a little bit of reminding myself, okay, Cindy, it's not your responsibility to execute this. You're gonna help management set the strategy. You're going to set the strategy for management. And if they need help executing, they'll ask, but that's really their responsibility. 
Now, well, so yeah. I will say though, it has been a very helpful in having been an exec to transition over to a board to understand what's that like and the importance of really being crisp and clear about what that strategy is. Over the years, there have been times when I have been in the executive seat in management's role, and few things are more frustrating than murky uh, direction with respect to what the strategy is supposed to be. So you really want executable strategy, and I think that's something that the board can provide. No, I think that's, that's right on. I remember some of those meetings in our in our own where you, you have pushback from a board where they don't quite understand what management is putting forth. So I think that that's spot on in terms of being able to cultivate that with management teams to make that very clear and to use your words executable. I think that's really important. Um, so I guess we all know and expect board members to ask insightful and at times very tough questions of their management teams. So how are board members, I guess, particularly those new to the board, truly able to do that? Well, by the way, there's also the dynamic of asking tough questions of fellow board members too, right? So it's not just being able to ask questions, whether they're tough or complex of management, but also the board too. However, saying that, it is, of course, achievable, but it takes finesse, confidence, and acumen to be able to do that well, I think. Uh, and it gets to the point that we hear a lot about, which is board culture and how important board culture is. And I think part of that is being able to get along with one another. In my mind, effective boards are relatively small, so there has to be a level of camaraderie and respect in the boardroom of one another, even if you disagree. And there are going to be times when the board disagrees with one another, let alone with management. And so uh, there has to be that respect and that agreement that you're going to push back, but you're going to push back in a thoughtful, deliberative, respectful way. Uh, I think that cuts both ways. As a new board member, obviously, you have to respect the culture that precedes you, but also the existing board and management has to respect the opinions and questions that a new board member brings to the table. And so I think that's really important to try to do during the interview process. Uh, how does the board members with whom you're interviewing, how does the, the senior executives with whom you're interviewing how do they react during the interview process when you ask tough questions? And so during the interview process, I think it's important to have a few tough questions uh, to ask and just to see if no other reason how they react to that kind of questioning. So that, that's something I think is important. You know, I joined TPVG as the new girl on the block in that my company is located in California. And so it was subject to the mandate that they add a female board member by the end of 2019. Uh, so I was the sixth person to join the board and there, the other five board members have been, had been together for a few years prior. So I, I'm really thankful that uh, in February, we were able to have both an in-person board meeting and a strategic retreat where I was able to spend some social time with my new fellow board members to be able to um, you know, have that time to get to know them as people. 
so that was really important. And I know that people that are coming on to boards right now don't have that luxury, don't have that ability to do that. Although I do think there are ways that you can try to build that camaraderie, even if you're not in person, maybe not as effective, but you can do virtual wine tastings or uh, dinners, you know, where one person is in charge of the appetizer uh, recipe and the next person does the main course and the next person, right? And then you all have the ingredients ahead of time. There's many, many ways to try to build that camaraderie, but I was lucky that I was able to do that. Um, so I, I think trying to find those ways and keeping those ways going, keeping that interconnectivity is important. And then one other point on this topic is you have to have thick skin, right? You have to be willing to ask the tough question or the quote unquote dumb question, um, and, uh, not worry about the answer. Uh, I will say that in that in-person meeting, my first in-person meeting back in February, uh, I found out that there was an informal pool about how many questions I, as the legal, regulatory, corporate governance expert, would ask during <laughs> our two-day board meeting. And I will tell you that they were, I was way under the lowest oh, person's guess. <laughs> so, but that didn't offend me at all. I was not offended that they had done that. I thought it was funny. And it, it to me, it demonstrated that they were expecting my questions and that my questions would be welcome. So, but that's what I mean by having a thick skin, right? Yeah, no, no, that's great. And I, I do want to kind of just backtrack on something you said earlier, because I think it was really important. And not only, I mean, I think we're, you know, we were, we were talking about your um, movement from management to the board, but a very important step in that movement was the interview process and how you came on board. And I think your, your point about, questioning the CEO is really important. In fact, I had a, a meeting the other day with a board that I'm helping them work through some of their board refreshment strategies. And one of the things that the CEO of this particular public company said to me was, you know, I, you know, in interviewing new directors, I would not be happy at all if they were not to challenge me with questions. I, I expect that. I expect that of all of my board members, because if they can't confront me and challenge my thought process, then I don't want them on my board. And so I thought what you just said was very much on point. So thank you for, for saying yeah, that. Yeah, it's really important, right? Because you want to know as a new board member, are, are they going to respect your challenging questions? And if the answer is no, that would be a board that I wouldn't want to join. Right. But it's good, good to hear that the CEO also appreciates yep. how important that is. Yep, absolutely. So I think one of the things that we want to understand, maybe from our discussion today, kind of a fundamental question, but really how much do board members actually need to know about the business to be fit for purpose, if you will, and ensure that they can ask those good questions and make sound decisions? Yeah, that is a good question. That is something that I think as you're going on to your first board in particular is something that I at least struggled with. I think it's important to have a basic understanding about the business. Um, but for me personally, I think what I bring to the table is seeing the big picture and helping to connect the dots. So what I think that is critical, again, in the interview process is understanding the skill sets for which you are being recruited. Why does the board want you 
particular, in particular at that particular time? What is it that you bring to the table? Is it a deep understanding of the business? Uh, because that's what they need. Is it a deep understanding of accounting and auditing issues? Because they have that whole. Is it um, a company that is looking to acquire or build new lines of business and, and you have experience in that? I think all of that is really important to understand what it is about you that they're interviewing you for. For me, it was my legal, regulatory, and corporate governance background that they needed uh, that skill set to come into the boardroom. And, you know, we hear a lot about the board matrix, and I think sometimes that, that tool maybe gets a bad rap, but it's important to understand how you fit in that matrix, because if there's a lot of overlap, you might not be the right person. They might turn to you. And so that's something, for instance, in my case, you know, I, I have turned down a couple of uh, board opportunities uh, in that they were looking for somebody to chair the audit committee. And while I spent 13 years at the Center for Audit Quality, I think that role is better filled by somebody who has a deeper understanding of auditing. I'm certainly fit for purpose for being a financial expert on the board, because I think it's best practice to have more than one financial expert um, on the audit committee and on the board. But I don't feel that I would uh, do the best as chairing the audit committee. And so understanding why they want you and what it is that they think that you're going to fulfill is really important for you to have, I think, a successful board show. Right. And I think that's a great um, point for those out there that are considering making that transition from management to the board and really defining what are your key attributes and strengths? How do you how do you approach board service? You know, it's not just, oh, I think I'll just join a board. It's really I'm going to join the right board that I'm going to add value to that I'm going to be instrumental in, in helping push a company forward, right? So I think that's very important and, and a very wise wise statement that you just articulated. So I guess one of the things that we talked about as we were thinking about this whole session is executive sessions and really, you know, maybe explaining the value of those executive sessions and really what is the right way to conduct these? I know you have some thoughts on this. I do. I think executive sessions are very important, and, and we all know that that's a leading practice or a best practice, but you want to have an ability for the board to speak freely uh, amongst itself to, to figure out, okay, you know, how is management going to execute the strategy? Do they fully understand it? Are, are there resources that we can give them? Do we think that they're using their resources well? Um, are they pushing back on using more outside resources, right? All of the things that a board can do to help management execute strategy. Sometimes you want to discuss that without management in the room. And then sometimes you want to discuss just with the CEO uh, in private session uh, what their staff is doing. So, you know, how is the CFO performing? How are some of the other C-suite executives performing? So one thing I will say, and this is a totally different context, but it does remind me of this as it being a, a best practice. When I was practicing law, uh, I, we would prep witnesses to go appear before the Securities and Exchange Commission. And we always, during the prep sessions, told them, before you answer any question, 
take a pause. Whether they ask you your name, your occupation, take a long pause before you answer the question. And the reason that we said that was because it gives you time to think about what your answer is going to be when they ask you a difficult question or a more complex question without being a tell where you are signaling to the SEC, oh, you stumped me, that's a tough question. So obviously a totally different um, context here. You're not trying to tease out from management uh, in an executive session, something that you would be doing if you were bringing a witness before the SEC. But I think even when you don't have something specific to talk about, it's still best practice to go ahead and have that executive session and to make it last a few minutes. Don't go in. You know, I've been in board meetings where uh, I was excused as the executive in the room and the board met for two seconds and came back out and said, "Okay, Cindy, we're done. And then the next board meeting, when I, they were in executive session, there might have been a 10-minute executive session. And I sat there thinking, oh, my God, what, what, you know, what are they talking about? What's going on? And so I think it's important to have that space of time so that uh, even if you don't have anything to talk about, you're not signaling the next time when you do have something and causing anxiety for the CEO, even though it might be totally innocuous. innocuous. So... Um, I, I just think it, it's a really important tool. And sometimes it's it's hard. It's at the end of the meeting usually, right? And so, you know, people are tired. You've gone over the allotted time, whatever. It's easy to say, no, we're not going to have that. And if that's something that the board sees happens more and more, you know, that the, that the uh, lead director doesn't manage the time well, think about having an executive session ahead of time at the beginning of the board meeting. I don't find that as satisfactory because things may come up during the meeting that you want to have an executive session about after, but at least you, you set that precedent that you're going to have an executive session. No, I, I agree. That, that's a good point. And, and actually, it's funny. I never even really thought about that and the, the connotation from management. So, yeah, I like that. I like that suggestion a lot. So I guess where does or where can a new board member draw her or his confidence from? Well, you know, the, the slick answer is from within, right? But by that, I mean that there is a reason that the board chose you to join the board, right? So you have to have confidence in your skill set. There, there's a reason that you're there. And even in my case, where California you know, dictated, mandated that all California boards have a woman, I, I still felt that they were valuing my skill set and what I brought to the table. And so I, I think that's important. Having said that, though, it can be daunting to go into your, especially your first board room, right? The first time that you're in the boardroom as a board member. Many of us have been in boardrooms for years during our career, but it's entirely different when you're in that other seat, when you're across the table. So it can be a little daunting. But luckily, there are uh, uh, just a wealth of resources out there. And for instance, the BDO in the Boardroom podcast series, I mean, this is really a great resource for people to get a better feel, okay, what's it like to really be in the boardroom? Give me that bird's eye view. Uh, the NACD has a host and a wealth of resources that can help new board members and existing board members. And one in particular that I'm excited about is uh, in October, the NACD has their 
Global Board Leaders Summit, where you uh, and BDO are uh, hosting a small cap symposium uh, that's taking place at the end of October. I believe it's on October 28th. And I, I'm very excited about that because TPBG is a small cap company. So there's a resource that is targeted to you know, the size of my company. So it's going to be scalable to a small cap company. So I think that's fantastic. Women yeah, corporate director. <laughs> no, it's great. And I'm really excited to, be, to, to participate. Women corporate directors um, has uh, a great set of programs. And so there's just a wealth of information out there. And so pick the one that, that the one or two that resonate the most with you. And those can really be helpful, I think, to, to instill that confidence about, okay, how does this really work? And then there's networking, right? I talk to a lot of other board members. You know, how do you guys do this? How do you guys do that? And so, for instance, I mentioned women corporate directors. We're very lucky that in the Tampa chapter, uh, the, the WCD chapter to which I belong, people are so willing to have peer-to-peer -peer exchanges. And it really is a safe place to raise your hand and ask that quote-unquote dumb question, right? I mean, I'm a big believer that the only dumb question is the question that's not asked. But uh, that's a great resource because it, people are so open and giving. And somebody's been through the same experience that you have. They're grappling with the same or similar issue that you are. So I think that network, that peer-to-peer -peer networking is really important. And one thing just to follow up, Cindy. So on your board that you're currently sitting on, obviously you mentioned earlier that you joined just before COVID. Um, so how did that transition work? I mean, you're talking about other opportunities, but what, what about within the board? Who are the folks that, you know, whether you have kind of a peer mentor on your current board or how do you how did you assimilate yourself with the board members that are currently on the board when you kind of came on board? Yeah, you know, I don't hesitate to pick up the phone and um, talk to the other directors. And sometimes we'll have uh, informal where uh, calls where one of us says, hey, you know, let, let's wrestle through this issue. Can we all get on the phone, uh, even though it's in between board meetings? So I think that's really important. One thing that our board did do is uh, during the COVID crisis at the beginning for the first several months, we, had, we started having weekly calls and then we went to every other week and then we went to monthly. So that was really important, I think, to be able to do that just in the middle when nobody knew what was going on, worried about the health and safety of the employees, um, you know, helping management tease through, okay, how are we going to deal with this? And so that was really, really helpful. But, I, you know, you can't be hesitant to speak to a particular board member that you think, going back to the board matrix, that uh, has expertise in the area where you're having a question or asking for the whole board to get together informally. Right, now, good, good point. All right. So closing thoughts on how joining your first board or I should say your first public company board, because you're not a stranger to the boardroom. But how has that allowed you to draw on your own experience with boards and put best practices into practice? Well, you know, being a good board member shares a lot of the same skill sets that being a good executive. Right. You, you need a lot of those skill sets that you know, having an inquisitive nature, having the confidence, as we talked about, to ask questions. And your willingness to listen to the answers, uh, right? Really going in with a, a, a wanting to understand and being willing to listen to what the answer is. Respect 
for those with whom you work, whether it's your fellow board members or management or the mid-level people. Caring about and understanding the organization and the people within the organization, especially now, I think. Um, all of this is very important, but very similar to what it's like to be on the other side, to be in management. It's just channeled a bit differently, or it's a different lens through which to look through. But it really is the same skill sets, in my mind, just applied differently, if you will. Now that, that makes a lot of sense. Any uh, last thoughts before I let you go today? Because I very much appreciate and value you being on our program. Well, I very much enjoy doing it. It's it's good to be working with you and BBO again. Um, just, you know, my, my final thought is uh, we need a variety of skill sets and a variety of experiences and a variety of people on boards of directors. So I'm not a big fan of these mandates of having women on board legal women on boards legally or people of color on boards legally, but it works. And I think it's important that we force that that diversity on the board. If we have to do it through legal means, then that's what we have to do. But I think diversity in the boardroom is very, very important, whether it's, you know, diversity of age, diversity of background, diversity of ethnicity, diversity of geographical uh, locations, uh, you know, all of those things get put into the mix. And I think it's really, really important that we have that. So while I might not be the biggest fan of mandates, you know, I am a big fan of diversity. And so it's happening. It's happening a little more slowly, but it's a great time for those of us that are looking to get on our first boards to be entering into that space. So, um, those of us that, that want to continue to do that and those of your listeners um, do continue to listen to the podcast because you're going to get a lot of resources there and a lot of knowledge about how to go ahead and navigate that process. So, Well, thank you. That was, that was a nice plug for our whole kind of additional mini series on diversity that will be unfolding within the podcast series. So thank you for that. Um, and Cindy, thank you as always. Wish you well in your next chapter of your illustrious career as a public company board of director and look forward to speaking with you again soon. Great. Thanks, Amy. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash bdo knows governance.